Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze Wonder Woman five minutes by five minutes every single day until we're done with this. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And my name is Nathan. You can also find me on all social media at NoClutchNate. And today we're talking about minutes 106 to 110 of Wonder Woman. I don't know if I want to say 110. Uh, But anyways, uh, the minutes are going to start with Wonder Woman reveling in the defeat of Ares. And the minutes are going to end with the... uh, I keep calling them them the Wonder Men, but that's the easiest way to say it. But it's, you know, you got Steve Trevor, Chief, Nappy, Samir, and Charlie. Uh, They discover the giant bomber that has been built to uh, basically continue the war, and it's full of uh, all of Dr. Poison's new uh, poisonous gas. And uh, this is a a pretty intense five minutes, Nate. How'd you feel feel about this one? It's a really good grouping of minutes. Um, It's very emotional. Yeah. This is the one thing that um, the scene of, of... uh, Steve and Diana on the building as they're mm-hmm. pretty much discussing what the movie is about and like what Diana's, you know, her whole perspective and everything like that. And that that was one thing that uh, st- stood with me after I watched this movie the first time. And I remember going back um, and watching it again when we got it on home video and like waiting to get to this part. Yep, it's this part, and then at the end where it's the Steve Trevor dialogue, but no, uh, <laughs> no audio, and yeah. it's you know Diana. It's, it's that. Yeah. It's, the, it's and I'm it's laughing these because it, I understand how heartbreaking that it that is. is. Yeah, I understand why you're referencing it. That's why I'm <laughs> laughing. Favorite, uh, probably favorite parts of this movie. Yeah, yeah. It, it it's really what I what I really like about this scene, and I agree with you completely. The first time I saw this movie and i saw this scene exactly i was like this is it this is the good stuff this is the stuff i want to see not that i want to see sadness so much but it's like what they're talking about and just the emotional display that chris pine has here and even and even uh gal gadot you know the 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 reiteration that she does or it's like it can't be this way. It cannot be this way. Like that reiteration there. It's a really, really, really good. Like this scene is like an emotional display more than anything, more than exposition, more than just spoon feeding the audience. Like, Hey, entropy is always going to happen. Uh, and you know, killing one man isn't gonna, you know, killing Aries doesn't solve everything. Like, yes, that's the information being given, but more importantly, it's like this this chemistry that I keep coming back to about C. Trevor and, and Diana. It's it's so raw here, and it's so powerful. Like, I completely agree. The first time I saw this movie, like this was the scene where I was just so happy that it existed, and there there's just so much of this like uh, this. Uh, this energy that was put into this scene and they're just so close to each other and the, the, and chemis- the framing the chemistry as well again yeah. insane at the entire movie but this is like apex yeah it's so good it's it's, it's unbelievable and like 
oh my god, the lighting is perfect from like the base of the camp, like shining back up at them, and uh, you can see like the the spotlights like combing through and mm-hmm. like over them. It's it's amazing, and and it's also nice to. It was nice to see like Steve Trevor like trying to find her, like making his way through like the watchtower to like yeah. see where she's at and see what's going on. And um man, I just I don't know how else to explain it, but like this is this is the scene. This is like <laughs> it's so good. I, I love this scene so much. And and what they're talking about, um you know, it coincides with what we talked about previously in the last few episodes we've done. And then what we'll talk about when Diana realizes that she will choose to fight with the power of love, right? Like, yes, you cannot, there's this idea that you control entropy with order. You at least fight entropy with order. And then um, she thinks, okay, well, if I put down Ares and that stops, it stops all that violence. But now she has to come to terms with like, the idea that men are okay with killing people they cannot see and killing children and, and people that disagree with them based, based on their like ethnocentrism, right? Like all these things, like just because their cultures collide, that there has to be bloodshed. And it doesn't matter if you're innocent or not, like these, uh, war will continue, right? It'll continue whether, um, they disagree on something, or if it's just a way to make money, which is another reason why wars exist. Uh, and that's a conversation people need to have more often. <laughs> I think so as well. Um, I will say, I'm digging the uh, the production that's happening at this uh, base, warehouse, whatever. Like the whole rail car system that they got, taking out the uh, the bombs and everything. Um, it just, I just like it. Looks cool. Makes sense to me. You got your rail cars moving objects. Uh, you know, it's 1917. That's the mode of transportation. Um, it's kind of, it was kind of weird because like Charlie made a mention um, a little bit later in the minutes where he said, you know, they look like you know canisters. I just don't know where they're taking them. Um, how far away is the plane? It's got to be. I mean, like, yes, this is the hangar, but. I, I don't know. I feel like the hangar would be closer to the plane. I don't know. Yeah. Well, plane, plane's pretty far away. Let me, let's just pl- say that. And it's a bomber. So it's not going to fit in like the normal sheds. And because it's world war one and they're like, this is like a very technical technology, technologically advanced war uh, for this time. I guess just the bomber just could not fit in there. So they had to wheel everything out. And because they're wheeling out so many bombs right now. Yeah. Like that, the Enterprise, they got to build it in orbit. Exactly, a little bit like that. Uh, <laughs> and so they got to they got to uh, put down these rail tracks, these like basically dolly all these bombs over to the the bomber. So I think that it's a lot of bombs, and and I'm glad you brought up like the rail system that they had to build because I think it is like a it's an interesting sight of like just how technologically advanced. Old War One was, or lack and, thereof, compared to what we know. Well, yeah, now we Obviously. look back, but at the time, I mean, you, you look back at the wars previous, and then you look at this, and you're like, oh yeah, this. Uh, sure, it's a su- superhero comic book fiction, you know, movie, but 
they were doing stuff like this where they were like, hey, uh, this was never built before and we are kind of thinking on our feet here. So how about we just start building these little like minecart tracks <laughs> and start building these, you know, we already decided to put a machine gun on a plane. How about we build like a plane that's like three times its size and uh, just stack it with bombs. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so you guys are really trying to win this war, huh? I tried to look up what the first like bombers were. Mm-hmm. Um, 1914, the Voisin 3. What uh, country? Uh, it doesn't really look like that. This one kind of looks like, like a little bit like like there's like the 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 uh, the sheet metal kind of on it, and not like you know vinyl or whatever they were made out of before. It looks like there's like some more metal, almost like like Pan Am style American Airs. How do you spell it? How you spell it? We probably should have got like an aviator person on a- here. Yeah, because we all because we know them. We kind of do. Um. Yeah, I was just trying to see if there was like any like uh like the metal ones or anything like that, and even like these pictures of the ones from like 1918, they're not as, I mean, obviously it's it's fiction and and what we're seeing here, and there's you know elements taken from from the real things, but uh, this one in this close. movie looks pretty it, more so advanced than than the even voicing. these. Yeah, the, obviously the voicing, but even uh, the British ones that they were using a year later. It looks a lot like the voicing one. I think the difference is that it has... No, I think it has the same amount of rotors on it. Right? No, this... Uh, no, I think you might be right. It is a little... It is a little bit more advanced. Maybe that's the science fiction part of it. Maybe go. they had already started building bombers, and so yeah. now they're like... I got something. What do you this have? This is the... Oh, what, what is this called? Oh, I just Hang on. Uh, this is the Gotha G4. Um, G-O-T-H-A G dot I-V. Um, believe this is German. Yeah, this is German. And this looks a little bit more like it because it has the closed-in cockpit and the massive biplane wings. Um, and, like, the separation is, from what I see, is is a lot greater than the, you know, 1914 bombers that I'm seeing here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely looks like it. But it looks, yeah, you see the, because um, if you go to the minute and it's at, like, 4 minutes and 37 36 seconds or something like that you can mm-hmm. see the cockpit of the plane like you you see it's uh encased and it's the yeah. same design as this uh gotha g4 it looks kind of like cannot... a like a li- li- little bit like a like a steam engine yeah it also looks like um you know it just has more yeah but this thing in the movie actually has like engines on it this um this one that I'm looking at on the internet from the actual, from, from real life, uh, is just biplane wings. Not many pictures. Yeah, I, 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 my guess is that they were like, hey, we're going we're gonna to make like a prototype science fiction one, like a real beastly one. Like a- yeah, but it's, I'm pretty sure it's supposed to mimic 
the Gotha. There's um, a really good shot at four minutes, 45 seconds in. Yeah. Of the whole thing. Yeah, this thing has, this thing's got propellers on it and everything. Like It's got four of them. Uh, and most of them only had two from the World War One bomber pictures that we were looking at. Mm-hmm. You can see two of them at least, but never, never more than that. Two at the most, not at the least. This one has four. This is a this is a like an albatross of a of a World War One bomber. Good word. Uh, good good allegory too. So it's a it's a very 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 big bomber plane. Yeah, you see, like the 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 crank powered car that they have back there too, like that Ford General Motors yeah. like style. That's yeah. awesome. Summer of the Monkeys. That's a weird. Pretty incredible. People won't get that one. I don't. I don't even get it. At the, I'm pretty sure at the very end of Summer of the Monkeys, it's a movie. Um, a, a high roller esque gentleman like pulls up to wherever they are and like, you know, I'm gonna buy all these monkeys and like he's got a car. Wait, and, are like, they about the monkeys? It. Is it about the band? No. What kind of movie is this? I want to say it's similar to like your your Mighty Joe Young esque type animal movie, um, where it's like check out check out these these chimpanzees and and look we can get them to act for two hours or something. I don't okay. come on. It was it's during an old that, that movie during that time of the nineties where we made movies about animals. This was way. This was like in the. 40s or 60s or something like that this is i don't know that's a long time ago <laughs> Nin- oh wait so there's a there's a movie in 1989 um yeah it's called batman i've heard of it wow it's a disney movie i didn't know that maybe this summer of the, the monkeys yeah maybe this is the one that i watched because they're all welcome still back in, like, to summer of the monkeys minute um you know what's weird? Why do you why do people spell monkeys as M O N K E E Y S? Yeah, and not M O N K I E S. I E S. Yeah. Well, because monkey is a proper noun. You're not going to change the I E. You're not going to change the Y to an I E with that. Wait. Like, it's a your mother noun? doesn't spell your name when she calls you by your nickname. There's there's no I. You know. What I-E. are you talking about? If your mother were to call you Marky, she's not calling you M-A-R-K-I-E. I understand that, but that's my name. The monkeys, uh, we might have to get off this subject. But I think we do. <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think, yeah, no, I think, I think I'm wrong. <laughs> I don't But like my, don't understand But my it. thought process is there. Um, I don't know. I know it's, it's Summer of the Monkeys. It's, uh, I got to close the monkeys. browser before I type in, why is monkeys not <laughs> Why is the plural form of monkeys not spelled uh, I-E-S? I got to stop it. I got to The world may never know. I got to close the Google Chrome tab. I can't do it. We'll get sidetracked more. Uh, I need to get back on track here. Okay, so, so let's get back to Let's so talk Steve, about yeah, Aries. Steve gets to, okay. Yeah, because we'll, we'll come back to that part. Okay. Let's talk about Aries. Uh, here's, here's the big reveal uh, that David Thewlis is Aries. And Nate, how you feeling about this? Um, in this moment, I'm fine because I know what was happening. You know, yeah. I there's there's things to say where you would you know it's a different type of show to have someone watching the movie fresh and seeing things, which is something that we've dabbled in for many years. Um, but in moments like these, where it is like the twist, the turn, the uh, the Shyamalan esque whatever. 
uh, I'm sure watching the movie, I can't remember, but I'm sure watching the movie, I feel like it was still lacking up until the, like, when Diana gets her footing and, and, and takes the lead. You know what I mean? Like, up until Diana has the advantage, her leaving the castle, all of this... You know, killing Ludendorff and everything like that, and even the beginning of the Ares fight is extremely lackluster in my opinion. And I was really focused more on the Steve Trevor bits, and that's yeah, really just because I I, th- I think there is something wrong with that um, inherently with me. Um, I don't know. It just like wasn't a a fight between the superheroes wasn't as interesting than the operation that they're trying to do then stopping the war you know yeah um no i still don't think there's anything wrong with that because you are invested in what's going on between diana and steve and what steve is trying to do with stopping the war um like doomsday is is beating the snot out of batman and i get to see cool gadgets and that's great and everything that's awesome but what i'm really trying to focus on is lois trying to find that gosh darn spear that's the kicker Lois needs the spear. The, the the Wonder Men need to stop this operation that is ongoing. You know, the status quo did not change, so theirs is, there is, is not changing. Like, they're still going on, and that was more interesting than just the two superpowers fighting. Um, I wonder what, you know, let's say David Thewlis doesn't show up right here. She just sits there in, like... Um, disbelief in in defeat, right? Yeah. Steve Trevor and the Wonder Men they go do the thing, and they can't really do it without her, but they're trying to anyways. And this doesn't even happen. What if there was just? What if Ares was just a red herring this whole time, and then this didn't happen? How would you feel about that? Would it have happened like on the tarmac? Like, would that fight still have happened? No uh, armor suit areas. There just was no areas. There has to be. What if there wasn't? Um. Then that's more lacking. I think that then that really? kind of changes the entire narrative. Yeah, because I mean, like, if you're telling someone for the entirety of the movie that Diana has like an end goal and like she is supposed to meet this other god or whatever, and then you don't give them that. That kind of, to me, that kind of just tells, that tells me that, oh, well, Diana was wrong from the get-go, and maybe she should have just, like, learned faster. It's like, no, 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 no. The entire journey was was learning, but uh, the end result, <laughs> the end result shouldn't be entropy in a Wonder Woman story. Um, no, no, no. Uh, yeah, no, I understand And that. I feel like oh, if she I, I were guess- to kill... A being who she thought was the god of war, and it didn't change man or anything, and then roll credits. Like, what kind of lesson? What kind of Joker bullcrap <laughs> lesson is I guess, that? I guess I forgot to to say to to tie that end up, but it, no, it wouldn't have ended like this. It just would have ended like. Um, I'm trying to think more of like the a, a little bit more. I guess it's a little bit more defeating, yeah, but. Um, she still has to get to that point, right, where she's like, yeah, I, choose I don't know if you're I choose love. 
Like, I don't know if you can ask the question of what if Ares wasn't here? What if he continued to be just like a, a non like unobtainable what was, thing? Yeah, what if it was just the idea? And yeah, in Diana's mind, she can't Part, process it would be a just that as too... an idea. She has to, you know, pinpoint it on a person or a thing, a being. It would have been a little too, uh, I guess, defeating for uh, for a first movie for an origin movie uh, because then it would be a little bit like your empire strikes back or like your dark Knight, where it's just kind of like it ends on this defeated, defeated outcome. Right. So I guess, yeah, that, w- that wouldn't have worked out because what would end up happening if Ares wasn't there is like a little bit of, and I, I, I hate to keep bringing these references up, but it'd be a little bit like a uh, Peter Parker letting, that guy get away where he then shoots Uncle Ben, like in the first Sam Raimi movie. And then that would be like, oh, well, you let that happen because you were too busy being upset that Ares killing, quote unquote, Ares didn't stop the war. And so you didn't go help Steve Trevor. And then they had to go do that thing. And they did it. But, you know, Steve Trevor's not around anymore. Um, so, yeah, it wouldn't have worked out for like a, a first origin movie. Um, but but like, what, what I will you s- just described would mean... Like, I got the idea of just perpetualism, perpetualness. Um, What's being perpetuated? <laughs> man, the, 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 the dog pile that it is. Um, oh, yeah, but then that would feed into what she said, right, where she walked away from a, a century of horrors? It, well, yeah, then we're just solidifying the past movie that we had. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just validating. So, so, yeah, that's cool. That's why when you asked a couple days ago, or yesterday it was, um, that you can see the you can see her here and then see comparison to you know a hundred years later when she's fighting a monster and I said mm-hmm. that there's still missing parts. I think there's there's big missing parts because I mean she's not I don't I I don't think at the end of all this and after killing Ares or whatever you know at the end of the movie she is just like okay cool no more wars. No, she still has to have the learning experience of, look, you are not of man, and man is, is flawed severely, and that's always going to happen. I don't think there's anything you, Diana Prince, can do about it, but you can attempt and, and try, yeah. um, and that's what matters, like your, your ability to try and to keep going and not giving up, but there's no saving man. It will be interesting to see how and I hope 1984 does show this. I, I haven't seen it, so I can't speculate. But to see kind of like what her life looks like between now and 84, like, you know, World War II, the 60s, the Vietnam conflict, civil rights movements, like to see all the violence around the world, not just America, but around the world. because She hasn't even been to America yet. Which is another thing to, that would be interesting to see is her first time in America. And um, yeah, it definitely would be interesting to, to see that. What I will say about, you know, this reveal with Aries is um, uh, I, I really like old man Aries. Like this was something I saw in the new 52 comic with like the Brian Azzarello team. Uh, I really like seeing 
gods as normal people in the world, like just hanging around and like that their energy around them is influencing the world around them. I do like that. Yeah. He looks, he looks like the comic book character somewhat, not too much, but enough. It's an old man, old man Aries. I remember thinking that it was old man in suit of armor. Wasn't a good look, but uh, we'll get to that at another time and I'll have to reevaluate that idea. But I understand exactly what you're saying. Yeah. And I agree. I think there has to be a moment where they go, all right, David Thewlis, sorry, but you're not, <laughs> yeah, you're not going to keep looking like that. Give him a demon face or something. I don't know. Yeah. But like, this is, this is just a, a shell. It yeah. shouldn't be like that. That's him. He just, you know, decided to grow a mustache over three, 3000 centuries. Uh, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a long time, right? Um, I, I, the, so you knew more about, uh, that than I did, um, with the whole old man Aries type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember you telling me about it after we saw it the first time in theaters. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like I remember like saying like, oh, so you like already knew from the get go, like you already had that idea in your mind. Um, because I was a, a, a dumb movie goer that didn't know who was who or what was what. And, uh, yeah, after after seeing yesterday's minutes and, and Diana killing Ludendorff and nothing changing, it was kind of just like, well, yeah, duh. But I didn't know that David Thewlis was going to show up and be like, surprise, surprise. No, I, so I was caught off guard. Um, but it wasn't like as... It wasn't a massive twist, you know? It's just like, okay... Now all the pieces are falling together. Now I like to mentally go back and think about all the scenes with David Thewlis and, and listen to his dialogue and, and seeing if he's actually doing in, any sort of influencing uh, of our characters and on their journey, which he did. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I, and like I said, I, it was like an inference made by me. Like I didn't, um, I, I really stayed away from this movie. but. Sometimes I don't even like when people announce casting because I think the casting of David Thewlis threw me off where it was like, okay, he might be Aries. And so I don't like thinking that way. So I try to stay away from everything. But when I was watching the movie, I was just like, it might be him. It's probably him. And then when it was him, I was like, at least we got old man Aries. That's cool. Mm-hmm. But I saw it a mile away, and I'm kind of like, <sighs> all right. But that's just me being disappointed in myself for, for getting for there. Yeah. Yeah, for hearing those beats. Um, and, like, I wish I could get, like, a dopamine rush out of that instead of feeling more <laughs> of, like, oh, I can't believe I called it. Yeah, I get what you mean. Um, the similar feeling, and I, we talked about it before on one of our Patreon episodes, but the similar feeling happened when we were watching the, the first time we watched the, the, the animated uh, Flashpoint movie. Mm-hmm. And just like 10 minutes in, we're like, oh, they're like pulling direct speech bubbles. <laughs> it yeah. was just like, oh, no. I thought a little bit more stuff would be, I don't know. It's, it's, and that's, hey, that's how it works. Uh, there's the source material. It's just like textbook writing, I guess. Um, it's just a 
unfortunate feeling of uh, lackluster that you would experience when you call something like that, especially from yeah, like, you know, a mile and, away. And not everything that's pulled directly, you know, I, I think it's always, um, it's like what gets pulled out becomes questioned, right? It's hard to explain. So let me say it this way. Um, like when things are pulled directly from the source material in Doom Patrol, it's not so much like, oh, they directly referenced uh, the, like this specific I know what villain. you're saying. It's not the story verbatim. They're using the elements that exist already in that previous story and are fitting it to match what they are writing currently. Like it's, yeah, and, it's, but you know, sometimes exactly. they can pull. Sometimes they can pull the speech bubbles out, but it's like, and Doom Patrol. Most of the time, the speech bubbles are the good stuff. Kind of like we talked about in this minute here with Steve Trevor and Diana. Like that conversation Steve and Diana are having could be a conversation in Doom Patrol of like that caliber of energy. Not that it's the exact conversation that they're having or even the same topic. Yeah. Just like the, that caliber of energy of that trying to wrap your head around something yeah. and having an argument about it. Yeah. Like but what that if kind it's of not energy. That kind of thing. What do you mean? Just that. Oh, oh, that, what if it's that not? way of thinking logically is uh, how yeah, I yeah, yeah. rationalize uh, my own physical world and everything like that and, and everything involved in it. I feel like I err on the side of logic a lot more than anything just because it. To me, it makes the most sense. So, like, when mm -hmm. someone says, like, you know, if this, I immediately have to go to, but what if it's not? Like, there is, there is that stupid string theory reality that it could not be. Like, you have to, Doctor Strange, think of all the million possibilities and the million and one forms of dialogue or what you can say or whatever that could, could, could stem from this. Mm -hmm. So, like, the mm -hmm. idea of thinking about all possibilities is, it's, I know it, obviously it is a very human and a, you know, in this case, it is a very trait uh, connected to man and the world of man. Um, but I feel like Steve Trevor has a better grasp of that concept than literally anybody and everybody else in this movie and even fighting this war. Well, yeah, he's. Uh, that's what kind of like these supporting characters are, are supposed to be. But like, he's like, still outside of it. He still comes from a sense of being an outsider. Yes, he's involved in the war, and yes, he's taking orders from the people that are still profiting off of it on the other side. But like, it's it's almost like he's using that because Steve, as a person, knows that he is a good guy, and he knows that he himself can make a difference so he just kind of has to like take the job that puts him in the place to make the difference does that make exactly. sense? exactly no that's exactly that's exactly what he you know he said that in the beginning of the movie it's like he has been molded by this uh society if you will he has been molded by this this uh political climate and uh for a while he didn't do anything and so now he is doing it so he's kind of putting himself in the way because he's He's already been part of the, the, the climate for so long. He's just, uh, he's so used to not doing anything and now he, he wants to do something. So you're right with him being, um, you know, more aware than others about how things are currently. You know it's what's just, cool? 
I'm sorry, I mm-hmm. cut, keep cutting you off, but no, like, yeah, you, you keep saying things that make me have these second thoughts about exactly what you're saying. Um, and oh man, and I just lost that one, and it was a really cool thing. Dang, I'm so sorry. It's fine. Uh, now I lost my train of thought. Hey, yo, <laughs> tickets, please. All, I, all I'll say is that, uh, we, you know, this is a great scene. Maybe uh, maybe we missed a mark here on some things, but it's like I understand it when I watch these five minutes here that it's just a magnificent five minutes. It has it has the Aries reveal. It has like this powerful discussion about, you know, you can't save everyone by doing one one thing like it, it's not a catch all and it's not that it would is never going to be that easy. Things don't change overnight, things like that. But this conversation that Steve and Diana has yeah. is top tier of this entire movie. And I wish, I wish, I wish more superhero movies would have it. But I also know that a lot of, of the great superhero movies do have a scene like this. Um, anytime, and it doesn't always have to be between the supporting character and the main character, but oftentimes it's really not. Sometimes it's a conversation between the villain and the protagonist. And maybe that's the thing. Maybe I don't, maybe what's so nice about it is that it is the main character and the supporting character. And we don't see that often. Um, most of the time it is a, it is a deep conversation between good guy versus bad guy, or bad person versus a good person. But, um, this is between main character and supporting character and it's a disagreement like this late in the game. And I think that's, that might be why it's pretty powerful. Um, so I really do enjoy that. I don't, I don't think we get to see stuff like this very often. Um, and I hope we do get to see it in the sequel. So, um, I guess we can leave it at that. I don't know if you want to double back on anything, Nate, before we wrap up. Um, I think that's it. I'm sure there's a lot more we can get, uh, you know, techni- technical things that we can bring about with uh, more shots of the airplane and all this other stuff that we'll be seeing later on. Um, but yeah, this. Um, have you ever had a? Have you ever had to have a conversation with someone and a disagreement and and walk away like how Steve does here, and actually walk away and not like come back five minutes later and be like, "Look, I was wrong," kind of thing. No, I don't think so. I don't think I have either. And I say that, I've never, and been, I ask I've never that. been that. I've never been that busy. <laughs> <laughs> I've never, I've never been like, I got, I gotta go. I got, I gotta catch this train, honey. I'll, I'll catch you tonight. Yeah, I gotta go to the city. I've never, I don't know. I've never been like that. Usually, yeah. when I argue, it's through a text message. Oh. <laughs> We get the pair. What am I gonna do? Text. I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta send a Steve Trevor gif. Yeah. I yeah. Gotta, I gotta go. It's like, what do you mean you gotta go? It's a text. You can answer whenever you want. That's not the case anymore. Yeah. Now it's like if you don't text back in five minutes, it's like, uh, it's, I know you saw the text. I know. Well, because everybody does have their phone on them, unless it is, you know, truly somewhere else on silent or whatever. But anyway, anyway, um, it's a great, this was a great five minutes. Um, I want to say I want to like go back and reference it and actually like take the time to watch like the two minute conversation that uh, Diana and Steve have. 
and like I feel like I want to like get it in like writing and like follow it along to just see how it's like structurally built. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. just so good. There's, it's just so good. This is a very good learning uh, moment for our for a hero. Um, it's just incredible. I mean, it's a hero's journey. You get you get the moments where they they have to look in on themselves and and look in at their own decisions and choices and everything like that. And we're seeing it right here. Incredible, mm-hmm. incredible. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Cool. <sighs> Let's wrap up for here. I know we got some more stuff to talk about tomorrow. So let's wrap up for today. If you enjoyed everything you heard, you can find us on all social media at DCEU Minute, the Facebook group, the DC Cinematic Minute Listener Society. We also do a podcast about Doom Patrol where you can uh, listen to us talk about episodes of Doom Patrol. And we've talked about every single episode, so uh, you can definitely catch up on those. And then uh, we also have Stellar Dynamics. Nate, do you have the, the times for that? Or it's, <laughs> it's now a podcast, right? Absolutely. Stellar Dynamics airs weekly, uh, Wednesday nights, 7 to 9 p.m. on 91.5 FM. You can find that on the TuneIn app if you search for WPRK. Um, but if you're not, you know, at a computer or whatever at uh, Wednesday night between the hours of seven and nine you can check it in podcast form stellar dynamics now a podcast the same weekly episodes being published uh in podcast form now available wherever you get your podcasts cool and uh we'll check you guys back tomorrow here on wonder woman minute